We are holding the spiritual needs of the church in our hand as the under shepherd. We're dealing with the spiritual needs. We're dealing with physical needs. We're ministering in the community. And genuinely, I think one of the hardest parts about pastoring is just being around brokenness all the time while we ourselves are broken people. And so to just be completely, constantly in the midst of grief and sorrow and suffering, it can be very challenging. From Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute, this is the Level Paths Podcast. We're glad you've taken some time to join us. My name is Chris Weigel. Have you ever heard someone say, well, the pastor only works on Sunday, or our pastor is taking a sabbatical, but I don't get to take a sabbatical at my job? Or maybe you've heard, if all I had to do was preach at weddings, funerals, and on Sunday, that would be easy. On this episode of the Level Paths Podcast, pastoral burden. When a man receives the call to be a pastor, and he then works to educate himself so he can pastor effectively, what did he commit to? A a one-day-a-week job? Dr. Matt Shamblin is exploring the experiences and implications of pastoring with two men who are on both ends of their journeys as pastor, Dr. Paul Badgett and Pastor Josh Schmidt. Here's Dr. Matt. We're going to be talking about what we'll call the glorious burden of pastoral ministry. I have Dr. Paul Badgett. Dr. Paul Badgett was the pastor of First Baptist Church of Pikeville, Kentucky, and then served as a regional consultant here in the eastern region, right in the heart of Appalachia, where he's from. Paul, how are you doing today? Doing terrific. Thank you, Brother Matt, for having me on today. Well, you're always such an encouragement, and I know you're going to be encouragement to those who take time for this podcast. We also have with us, not yet doctor, but soon will be, Josh Schmidt. Josh is a pastor of First Baptist Church of Grayson, has served in many capacities in our community and also in the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Josh, it's great to have you on today with the Level Pass podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. So I'm going to jump right in and ask these guys to give a brief introduction of themselves, and then we're going to talk about the pastorate. BP, would you take a moment and uh, tell us who you are? Well, I'm Paul Badgett, and of course, uh, I don't know what all you want to know about me or how long you want me to talk, but anyway, I did not start off my career. I actually uh, worked secular work for quite a long time before surrendering to the ministry. My calling came a little later in life. Nevertheless, I, I surrendered uh, in the church that you pastored, Brother Matt, Rose Hill uh, Missionary Baptist Church. And so uh, just uh, enjoy the journey of pastoring. I pastored at South Shore, pastored in Calixburg and Pikeville, and worked for the convention for almost nine years. All right. Josh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of echo my mentor there, Paul Badgett, good friend. I also worked in secular career for uh, the majority of my life until I was called to ministry. I was in banking. I grew up in Appalachia in the, in the mountains of Martin County and experienced the call to ministry when I was about 25, 26. I've been serving as a senior pastor at First Baptist Grayson now for six years. So an article came out just this past week and the title of the article, Exhausted Pastors, Suffering Decline in Overall Health, Respect, Friendship, and Study. I'm getting ready personally to go on a sabbatical. But this will be the last podcast that I record before we go on a sabbatical. And this issue of the exhaustion of pastors, when this came to mind, 
I thought I'd love to talk with some pastors, some who've served long time and some who are fairly new to ministry. I'd like to talk to them about what we'll call the glorious burden of pastoral ministry. And these are two guys that came to my mind. Brother Paul served so faithfully. Josh is serving faithfully. And I thought this would be a wonderful perspective to have on pastoral ministry. So I'm going to ask these guys individually just to describe to us what is the pastorate. I think about the pastorate in several different ways. Number one, I think about a pastor who leads. That's one of his responsibilities. He cast a vision for his church. He leads by going before his church. As some folks have said, the pastor needs to see it before anybody else does. And so he cast a vision by going before his people. He teaches his people. He's a teacher. He's the primary teacher in a local church. And he teaches by standing before his people. And then he shepherds his people. And he shepherds his people by sitting among his people. And so he goes before them, he stands before them, and he sits among them. And that's kind of the way I see a pastor. Excellent. I should have known to ask Brother Paul to describe the pastor if he would not have a ready-made sermon. That, that's just <laughs> excellent. I should have known. I should have known. Brother Josh, how about you? Yeah, I don't know that I can add a lot to what Paul just perfectly described as the pastorate. Uh, there have been times in my life, you asked the question, what is a pastor? There's been times in my life when I've wondered, what isn't a pastorate? You know, there are a lot of times when you do things that you never would expect to have to do as a pastor. But I think just to kind of piggyback on Paul, a pastor exercises oversight according to First Peter. A pastor is someone who shepherds the flock and does so well and lovingly. They lead all those things describe the responsibility they teach. There's a very key aspect of what it means to be a pastor. And honestly, when you look at First Timothy, I think that the clearest definition of what a pastor is, is not what he does, but who he is, the type of life that he lives, the holiness. And the, those are where the qualifications come from. Amen. Amen. It's so difficult and impossible, really, to divorce who the pastor is from what he does. And so we, we've touched on this, but both of these guys have come to pastoral ministry. They came to pastoral ministry a little bit later in life. Both have worked in secular professions, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But would you, Josh, describe to us your calling to ministry and touch on your preparation for ministry? So it actually started at a very young age. I experienced a call to ministry, I think, as early, Matt, probably of 12 or 13, a genuine call of God in the ministry. And that was an internal thing that I felt. I remember watching my father preach, who was also a pastor, and just thinking, not that I wanted to do that, but that I had to do that. That was something that I was being set apart for. So as young as 13, 14, I started preaching for my dad at Honest First Baptist Church. And uh, got beaten down by life and candidly saw uh, at times his struggles in ministry and just decided that I didn't want any part of that. So I ran for a number of years and God is always faster than us. He chased me down. And so it, that calling that was internal was being uh, expressed externally through the local church that recognized I had giftings and that it was necessary for me to pursue those. And uh, I went to seminary, went to Bible college, did all of those things. And really, my calling and pastor was forged in the fire of just being a pastor, just getting out and doing the work of ministry and equipping the saints. 
Excellent. How about you, Brother Paul? When I was um, about 10 years of age, I really felt a nudging in that direction to become a pastor. But the importance of teaching the scriptures correctly because of bad theology, I drifted away. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying I was not taught properly. I thought I had to live the Christian life. I didn't realize that Christian life was designed for the Lord to live it through me. And so with a little confusing theology, I drifted away for a time. But I'm so grateful for a God of second chances. After we were married, my wife um, really was under deep conviction and uh, she sought out a pastor friend of ours, the guy that actually performed our wedding ceremony, and made a profession of faith and was baptized. And so it began me uh, remembering the calling that I had at about 10 years of age. And so in our early marriage, then I, uh, we began the process of attending church. And I began attending church, minding my own business. I really hadn't any, had any plans to be a, a pastor, but one little step here and a little step there. I did Sunday school work. I was a Sunday school director. I was a deacon. I was sent to the missions to supply and bring a message in some of our mission churches. At that time, we had four. And so it was a gradual evolution that took place in my life, I'm beginning with my wife's conversion or recommitment of her life to Jesus. I think she would say it's a recommitment. That began the process. We decided that we wanted to learn more about Scripture. And there was an ad in the newspaper that said Boyce Bible School classes. And my wife came home with that in the newspaper and said, hey, here's some, we want to go a little deeper. Here's some classes. So we enrolled in Boyce Bible School. Little did we know that those were classes for bivocational pastors, but we enrolled and uh, we actually completed a course of study at Boyce Bible School. But it developed in me a real deep desire to go deeper. So I enrolled at Liberty University at a master in Bible and religion course, because I already had an undergrad degree from Eastern Kentucky University. And so I got an MAR and then there working at Rose Hill, finally was called to my first pastorate at Catholicsburg, the Open Avenue Baptist Church, and then eventually on to First Baptist Church, Pikeville. And so God so been so good. All of our churches grew. I'm grateful for the good record that the Lord gave us. And I'm thankful for the journey that my wife and I and my daughter, Angie, we've been able to enjoy. Amen. Well, guys, so when we think about ministry, you both came from secular places of occupation into ministry. Can you tell us how does the office of pastor, the service of pastor differ from secular work? How does that differ? I was in banking for about 10 years and to my knowledge, in my 10 years of banking, I never preached a funeral. There's so many differences. Uh, secular careers can be very difficult and oftentimes are, even in the emotionality and the spirituality aspect of it. But there's nothing like pastoring in that every single day is completely different. The Lord often, through His Holy Spirit, directs us to the things that we've never done before, <laughs> often daily or, or weekly. We are holding the, the spiritual um, needs of the church in our hand as the under-shepherd, Christ is the shepherd of the church. We're dealing with the spiritual needs. We're dealing with physical needs. We're ministering in the community. And genuinely, I think one of the hardest parts about pastoring is just being around brokenness all the time while we ourselves are broken people. We're not superheroes. And so to just be completely, constantly 
in the midst of grief and sorrow and suffering, it can be very challenging. The difference, of course, I would agree with everything Josh says. I always do. Josh says anything, I agree with him because I love him. He's like a son to me. But when I came into secular work, I was hired. But when I came into the pastorate, I was called. There's a big difference in a hireling and someone that's called. Brother Matt, for example, you were called to Rose Hill Baptist Church, and you were called there. You had a ministry before you ever got there. And uh, Rose Hill had a ministry before you got there. And so the Lord called you there. They didn't hire you, but you live out of the offering plate, but that's money been given to God. So basically God meets your and Chrissy's needs. He's the one that watches out after you. And so you have a calling on your life. You're not a hireling, but you're someone that's called to do it. And you're the primary teacher, as Josh has already pointed out. You're to teach your congregation how to carry out the ministry that God has already given them. So that's your primary duty. So I'd say hireling versus calling. And most people don't understand that. A lot of people think they hire a pastor. They don't hire a pastor. If he's a good pastor, they call a pastor. And when we think about calling, there's some really high spots in Scripture that we can look to see calling. We can see the calling of Moses. Who am I? We can see the calling of Isaiah. I'm unworthy. Cleanse my lips. I minister among a people of unclean lips. We see the calling of the Apostle Paul. He is told, I have raised him up for a specific purpose to preach the gospel among the Gentiles. Thinking about this discussion, if I were to describe pastoral ministry in a really practical sense, I would describe it a little bit this way, about the emotional toll that it takes on a pastor, the emotional, the spiritual, and even physical toll. When we go through difficult times in life, or we know people who have, we come alongside of them and we try to help carry that burden. We pray for them. We try to encourage them. We bring them meals. We come and sit with them. We maybe we sit with them when they're having a surgery or whatever. And in a normal life, those are occasions that happen only on a few occasions. In a pastorate, that burden, and it's a, it's a wonderful burden, but it's a burden nonetheless. That burden of coming alongside of people in their time of struggle and their time of pain is a regular occurrence. And if you're doing it right, it's not something that you can dismiss yourself from. It's not something that that happens to other people and it doesn't affect you. It's going to have that burden. We see our Lord Jesus getting away every day to pray, every day alone, because if there was anybody who was living in brokenness and yet not being broken, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the burden of that. Then on top of that, we heard Brother Paul talk about the importance of leading. A leader is not just somebody who sees the problem. A leader is somebody who sees the problem and leads towards the solution. So you can just imagine being one of those people with the problem, and yet you have the responsibility to look to God and his word in order to look for the solution, the hope of Christ. And so on top of that burden and that struggle and, and the weight that you carry, now imagine writing a major term paper every week, multiple of them every week, that's not just data, but is designed for spiritual health. That is a really pitiful way to describe the weight of pastoral ministry, but it's the only way that I can think of to carry that along. And Josh, I think that you drew something that's so important, the inability to divorce between who you are and what you do. 
the primary qualification for the pastor is living like a pastor ought to live. And that affects everything that you do. You carry that ministry. And so, for example, the pastor who has a moment in their church in which there's a conflict and their reputation is being maligned or things are being said about them, or even publicly it happens. I've, I've seen this before where a pastor has something publicly said about them amongst the people. People are watching to see how you respond to that. And so your characteristic of being above reproach, of being a person that is peaceable, is gentle in these things is really important. It's hard to divorce that and to carry that glorious burden that you describe, Matt. I think that's just a beautiful way of describing ministry in general can be very, very challenging at times because we are also like our people waging war against our sinful flesh. We're struggling with many of the same things that they're struggling with. That can be really challenging at times. It sure can because you're broken and need the leadership of Christ. You need to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, need to be guided by the scriptures, directed by the scriptures. That is such a need. Well, so we are going to look at this article written by John Brown. It came out on Fox News just this past week. Exhausted pastors, suffering, decline, and overall health, respect, friendship. It's a study. It was a study conducted by the Barna Group and their Resilient Pastors Research. It's a study that was performed in 2015 and then in 2020. And in this, they measured issues like mental health, physical health, friendship, exhaustion, and even that area of respect. We're going to just move through this pretty quickly. But one of the areas that pastors identified below average was their mental health. The drastic change between 2015 and 2020, in 2015 it was 3%, 2020 it was 10%. Guys, what would you identify as factors that would contribute to pastors saying they have low or poor mental health? I want to go back to something that Josh talked about, and that is this constant dealing with the burdens of your congregation. And you guys have that responsibility to be a part of some of that. But one of the things that really helped me was um, Marion Duncan, when he was pastoring Oakland Avenue Baptist Church way back in the day. Marion Duncan told me, said, you need to learn how to empathize with situations and problems rather than sympathize. When you sympathize, you take that burden on. And, you know, you have so many things that you're dealing with. The pastor just can't bear up under all of that. So the difference is an empathy, you sit outside and look for ways that you might be able to help rather than taking on those issues and those problems, which can lead to some stressful types of painful types of thinking. Could even lead, I guess, a pastor to some sort of a form of the blues or depression. So learning how to empathize and understanding a church member's issues but setting outside that and looking for ways to help them rather than taking that problem on themselves. I think that's so important for a pastor to learn how to do that. That's a great word. I would love to get through this podcast without talking about COVID. I just don't think that it's possible. The major change from 15 to 22 is that we had a once in a generation pandemic that really exposed some of the cracks that were already there, not just in our nation, but even in our churches, all of us as pastors dealt with things that we never expected to deal with during COVID, trying to figure out how to do church well, how to love people well during that period. 
And so I think that just like the entirety of the nation's mental health declined in that window, the pastorate was no different because we're facing the exact same struggles that every business owner was trying to figure out. Every school superintendent was trying to figure out and add on to that the spiritual health of our people and the spiritual warfare that came during that period, I think is a a massive, massive exacerbator of that decline in mental health. When you look at your congregations right now, fellows, and and I know all of them are down somewhat compared to what they were, uh, you know, pre-COVID, post-COVID is a little less, but the people you have sitting there are the people that you discipled, okay? The people that come back, that's your core. That's that's the ones you be discipled. This is not the total responsibility of the pastor. It's the responsibility of the church. We have a real heavy responsibility as it relates to discipleship. We've just got to do a better job in the area of discipleship. So if we're ever faced with something like this again, we don't have such a, a massive exit. For years, I'm going to say the last 80 years in church ministry, Almost every sermon was, here's how you get saved. No matter the text, it wasn't explain the text. It was as quickly as possible. That quote that's given to Spurgeon, but never found in his writings to make a beeline to the cross. What role did that play in the lessening of discipleship? I'm not saying we shouldn't tell people how to get saved. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that every sermon That was what it was. Church, the whole purpose of church was to get together so lost people would hear about Jesus. The single best advice I think I ever got when I first started as a pastor, I called Paul freaking out. How am I supposed to do this, man? How am I supposed to pastor? Paul told me the very first thing that I needed to do was to get my membership role and look at it through an evangelistic lens. What he was saying there was that there's a a large portion of our church members' membership roles, which are unregenerate. And so we've seen the the cracks that have come from that. I don't know what your experience has been, Matt, but a lot of pastors that I talk to, the people that caused the most problems during COVID were ultimately those who left and never came back. And what was exposed to that from that was that a lot of those people weren't actually Christians. They didn't go to another church. They just never came back to church in general. There was a lot of noise that was made. And so there was a real spiritual immaturity or even a lack of spirituality altogether that was seen in that. And that is a problem that's being felt across every denomination, not just us as Southern Baptist people in Appalachia in general are experiencing this, that for years and years and years, our churches were social clubs and and places where you could get social capital. It had very, very little to do with gospel impact. They did good things oftentimes, but very little to do with gospel impact. And so we shouldn't be surprised to see a decline in membership. I think COVID just kind of did us a favor in expediating that process. When you look across the landscape of our community, If you drive by churches, and I had this experience just recently, if you drive by churches during the worship hour, you will see that in many of these churches, there are three, four, five, maybe 10 cars parked in the parking lot. That tells us that many of these churches are within a year or two of closing apart from a major, major change. With some of this, the issue has been less of a church being a kingdom outpost in a lost and dying world and more of a cultural gathering of like-minded people. 
when we look at this article, there's a lot that we could talk about. One of those is in 2015, 22% felt as though they were respected. Now that number is down to 10%. I think much of that has to do with the way either COVID was handled or the way the world changed. Because I think, yes, there was an issue of illness that was dealt with during COVID. But there was also a moral change in America that took place during COVID, whether it be the increase in information concerning LBGTQ issues or whether it be the what many would call nationalism. I'm just trying to give broad labels to these things. There was a, a large change that took place during uh, that time in America. Guys, what do you think about that? Not just the illness issue, but also the moral shift in America kind of surface with the uh, Catholic Church and a lot of the priests that there was a real falling away of some of those priests and some of the misconduct that they were found guilty of. And then in recent days, even in our own denomination, my beloved Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, the way we handled sexual abuse, and then also we've had some prominent leaders in our denomination that have fallen. We all know, you and you, Josh, and myself, we know that we have a large denomination and percentage-wise, it's very small. And yet, but when something like that happens in the church, it gets headlines and it goes out everywhere. And I think with all of that, people have expectations on us and in some regard, we fail. And so respect is always earned and we fail to earn the respect that we would like to have. And so we're just going to have to work hard to, to earn it back. I think you guys are both right. I think that one, like Paul said, a lot of that reputational hit was deserved for certain with key evangelical leaders falling with mishandling of, of different issues that were going on in the local church. And, and Matt, also, like you said, there's been a another generational transformation in our views of gender ideology and sexual identity. And the church has a very clear understanding of what it is we believe and who we are. And so it's no longer in vogue or, or popular for us to hold fast a solid biblical tradition and Judeo-Christian ethics on sexuality and gender. So we're not going to get the invitation to the mayor's prayer breakfast to pray. We're not going to get the invitation to be a part of the civic things that in years past we were able to do simply because we believe what we believe. Clearly, the world's changing around us and much yeah. of what we're teaching these things haven't changed. We're not teaching anything right. new. That's not our responsibility to teach anything new, but the world has changed drastically around us. And so in just a couple minutes that we have left, I want to address some encouragement, give some encouragement for struggling pastors. The first bit of encouragement that I would say to you is Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Mm -hmm. And when we think about the responsibility of the pastorate, that responsibility, as we've heard, cannot be divorced from who we are and what we do. And yet, we must remember we are not the Savior of the church. The Lord Jesus Christ was the one who died for the church. He gave himself for her. And so he is the one who is cleansing her by the washing of the water of his own blood. And so we've got to recognize that as we are seeking to serve, we are serving under a 
yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. And so when that yoke becomes overly burdensome, we have to recognize maybe we're carrying a yoke and a burden that's not our own. The second thing that I would address is this statement from Jesus. John 17, 4, Jesus said this. He said, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. It doesn't say that he accomplished everything that there was to do on the earth, but yet he has accomplished what the Lord has given him to do. And I would say to us as pastors, remember, our job is not to do everything. We can't be everybody's everything as much as they may expect or even desire us to be. We have a responsibility to serve Christ, and as we serve Christ, do what He has given us to do and not what everyone else may expect us to do. Guys, in the last two minutes that we have left, what kind of encouragement would you give to pastors as they're facing this burden? I think what you said, Matt, is excellent. It really echoes what I think the article said. I love Mark Dance's section at the end where he talks about Let us, like John the Baptist, say, I am not the Christ. Uh, We don't have to be the hero of our church. We're not supposed to be the hero of our church. We don't have to do everything and be everything at all times because we ourselves are in need of a a shepherd. And so I I just take comfort in that and also take comfort in the fact that ministry is actually kind of supposed to be hard. We should not be surprised when ministry is difficult because we're dealing with spiritual things. And so just be encouraged by that. If this is a hard season that you're in, Pastor, and you're listening to this, know that there's nothing that anyone can do that could change your no condemnation status. You're in Christ's hand now and forever. And that includes your ministry in your church. Well, I would close by saying that I would like for every pastor to learn something about Dennis Swanberg's 1-3-12-1-23,000 principle. And that is the one is your relationship with God. Make sure that's right. The three, that is you need an inner circle. Every pastor needs an inner circle of people that have his back. Jesus had Peter, James, and John. And then there's the 12, the people he does things with. The 120s is relationship with his church. And the 3,000 has to do with his relationship with his community. Maybe a, a future podcast we can talk about all those, but learn how to put that one, three, 12, one, 20, 3,000 in proper perspective. For the last 30 minutes, we've heard a seasoned pastor and a younger pastor unpack the aspects of pastorship that many of us have never considered. And if you're a pastor, most if not all of this podcast was probably very familiar territory. Pastor, how are you doing? As you strive to lead your flock, what are you dealing with? And how well are you handling it? When it comes to topics like pastoral burden, Dr. Matt Shamblin and Rex Howe are eager to hear from you. The Appalachian Ministry Institute not only teaches us about the history of ministry in Appalachia and how to be effective in Appalachia, it's here to specifically support you. And if you're not a pastor but want to learn more about how you can get behind your pastor and help him in his ministry, open your email and reach out as soon as you close this podcast. Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute exist as a resource, and no matter what need you may have, Rex Howe and Dr. Matt Shamblin want you to reach out to them today. Rex Howe is the president of Tri-State Bible College. You can contact him by email at rex.howe at tsbc.edu. And you can reach out to Dr. Matt Shamblin at the Appalachian Ministry Institute by email matt.shamblin 
at tsbc.edu. The Level Paths Podcast is an outreach of Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute.